Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, and thank you, Mr. Kelly. I spent uh, three years and nine months in the Air Force. Did you? Yes. So I got a three-month early out to go to school and uh, took advantage of that. Well, that's a good idea. Yes. Yes. And so you were in Guam, right? Guam, yes. Yeah. That was kind of a crazy circumstance. The B-52s took six hours to get there, six hours to get back, basically. Mm -hmm. And that was a lot of fuel, and that was a lot of other things. Yeah. So maybe it was six hours total. I could have that wrong. Three hours each way. Hmm. Yeah, that's probably about Yeah. No. But anyway, a lot of water out since there. I was in the air intelligence, we would you know target the spots that the B-52s were supposed to drop their bombs on. Mm -hmm. But by the time they would get there... The storms could come in, and all three alternate spots could be clouded over, so the bombs would be dropped on an island off Vietnam. Really? Yes, because yeah. they couldn't land with the bombs in the planes. Right. So it was like, there was... Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it, that's that's very interesting. Yeah. And, and I, I guess probably nowadays they could drop the bombs anyway, but back then they <laughs> right. couldn't. So, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, again, thank you for serving our country. Well, thank you, and thanks for having me on KMWX. Yes, folks, welcome, and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Every Saturday, we get together to discuss your yard, landscape, garden, how are your house plants doing, if you left them out during that cold spell, I don't know how well they are doing. Potting mixes, soil improvement, pruning bugs, diseases, planting. Yes, you can still plant trees and shrubs. Woody plant material can be planted until the, really the ground freezes. So, But remember my words, open opportunities. After that, it's going to be effort on your part in this great marathon called gardening. And by the way, this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you being here. And thanks to Greg. He's producing again today. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since its beginning which was 1994. I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available in various locations, and I write articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine. I just submitted my article for the March-April issue, so that shows you how far ahead you have to write these articles for these magazines. Anyway, no big deal. Uh, I do something called a walk and talk. Today, after the show, I'm headed up to Florissant, and you, if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, landscape evaluation, and whatever it happens to be that you need. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage. There's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Uh, uh, morning east. Wow, the sky was really looking orange. At least the, you know, the clouds as the sun was just beginning to rise. That lasted for about 10 minutes or so. And then the sun, as it got higher and higher, the orange went away and just started under the, you know, I guess, highlighting the clouds. 
But, uh, boy, I thought, what better place on Veterans Day to take the Good Guarding Stroll rather than the Soldier's Memorial, which is, as I got to uh, Tucker in Market, I saw there was all kinds of other things going on besides the renovation at the Soldier's Memorial. So that's all related to what Brian Kelly was talking about, various races and things and parades related to the Veterans Day. So uh, while um, I pulled up and parked, and while the Soldiers Memorial is still getting upgraded and renovated, and that's under the sort of History Museum's guidance, Kim Wilkes actually overlooks the Soldiers Memorial. So we've seen this whole process, at least on the north side of the building. I mean, every time I'm here, you look down and you see, wow, they've really done a lot of work. So on the north side, there's all new steps, new lighting, sidewalks, and a ramp with railings leading up to the top entrance of the building. And uh, there's all those historic statues on the backside, which, you know, since there's a huge fence, you can't get up there to find out, you know, I can't remember exactly what they are, but they are really kind of interesting and neat as well. And I can't figure out, too, as I went around to the west side of the building, Soldiers Memorial, this looks like where all the air conditioning units and things like that are going to be. I didn't see too much over there, at least not right now. And as I went around the other side, which would be the south side of the building, this is where a new plaza and everything. I, I can't exactly tell by looking if Chestnut is going to be blocked for that block that's right in front of the Soldier's Memorial or if it's going to go through more narrow or there won't be parking in front of the building. I can't, you know, I can't tell exactly yet what's going on. But uh, there's a bunch of planting plants being installed I thought, whoa, there's a couple of big old sweet gums and a couple of oak trees that were actually survived the renovation of tearing up the landscape and, you know, tearing up the sidewalks and streets and everything else. And they are still looking very good with nice fall color on all of them. But there's some oak leaf hydrangeas being installed. It looks like some boxwood, some ornamental grasses. And as I was standing there making some notes, a gentleman was raising the flag. I think there was, he was raising flags for different military organizations like the Air Force and the Army and things like that. And uh, boy, it was just, like I said, I can't quite figure out what's going on. But there's still a huge amount of equipment sitting all over the place. Huge equipment, small equipment. There is here, there, and everywhere. There's rebar and there's blocks and there's historic pieces of cut stone it's still sitting there. The squirrels were scampering all over the place wondering, when is this building going to be done? And so I told them, I said, well, there's a sign right over there that says it should be finished in 2018. It doesn't say exactly which month it's going to be finished, but they are definitely making progress on the Soldiers Memorial. And I'm looking forward to going to it because we, we always go through various museums, Tracy and I. And uh, we've gone there a couple times. I'm going to be real interested to see what's actually happening on the inside that's going to be different from what I remember. But anyway, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 if you'd like to have a question or a comment or whatever it happens to be you want to talk about on air. A couple things in your own landscape. If you do have any kind of liquid uh, chemicals, fungicides, insecticides, herbicides, fertilizers, all that other stuff, 
you know, it's getting cold, so you probably should put them in some location. Even if you're leaving them in your unheated garage, at least put them up, you know, high so they're not so cold, you know, so it's going to be a little bit warmer. But the ideal thing would be to bring them inside so they're not sort of, let's say, they could be altered. Usually that's not the case due to the cold weather, the freezing and everything else. And your dry goods, you know, you're probably not going to use them anymore except maybe fertilizer. Then what you could do is just make sure that you're keeping them off the floor so you can reduce the amount of condensation that may happen inside the bag. So just keep them dry. Keep them out away from moisture and keep your liquids from a freezing circumstance. Uh, watering, yes, you can continue to do it. But myself, today, I'm going to turn off the water. I've turned, we've got two different faucets going outside, but I'm going to turn off the faucet. We've already turned off one. I'm going to turn off the other one today. And spring flowering bulbs. I finished planting my bulbs last Wednesday, so... All those are done. All the operation are Brightside St. Louis bulbs, the daffodils, the Brightside red Darwin tulips. And I didn't remember ordering, but I had some pink and purple Darwin tulips as well. So all those have been planted all in pots. And, uh, you know, I'm always harping on the pots and everything else. So what happens is... People have always asked me what size pots and everything else. So I've put some bulbs, some daffodils. No, I didn't put daffodils. I Well, I guess I did put some daffodils. But uh, basically I put tulips in like 14-inch pots. So not huge pots because, you know, for the most part, historically I've always used bigger pots than that. And I'm going to see how well they do perform. And I just leave them outside. I don't put any, you know, mulch around the pots or anything else. Some are sitting on the patio. Some are sitting on the front steps going up to our front door. Some are sitting in the back patio and front patio. And uh, we'll see how well these uh, tulip bulbs do in these smaller pots. Because I've always said you got to get bigger pots. So I'm going to maybe kill some bulbs, but maybe I'll find out how well they can actually do on their own. Bill lives in St. Charles. Bill, how are you today? Doing pretty good, thanks. Great. Appreciate appreciate you having my call. Sure. Uh, a little a little off topic, but I've got a weeping willow that suffered uh, during a, a recent tornado, and it it's uh, a lot of the leaves and limbs all look dead. But uh, uh, are is that a recoverable tree? It's about twenty inches in diameter and 20 feet tall. Uh, can I trim off all of the branches and expect that to come back uh, clean next year? Probably not, but you could go ahead and give it a shot and see what happens. But a tree, a weeping willow of that size girth of the trunk, that means it's pretty old and they have somewhat of a limited lifespan whether they've been hit by a tornado or not. So it's sort of at the end of its life anyway or getting very close to it. So in combination with storm damage as a result of that, you could prune off as much as you want to and just see what happens. But it's never, ever going to get back to the stage that it is currently. It used to be a beautiful tree, right. and it's, uh, it's not, not near the uh, visual tree it used to be so and this like i said could have been it would have happened probably in the next couple years anyway as a result of just an aging process 
but with a storm twisting and you know doing everything else to the branches and trunks and everything then that just kind of shortened its life but i would go ahead if it's a tree that you really like go ahead and prune it and just see what you know see what happens all right thanks for your call thanks for the time sure and anybody else has any calls, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Speaking of dead branches and leaves and all that other stuff, it's Brian Kelly and I were talking before, uh, you know, during a commercial break while he was still doing his show, and he said today is going to be leaf raking day for him. I'm still mowing my leaves, you know, for the most part, but it's almost to the point now where the – you can only mow. I have a mulching mower. You can only do so much. Once the mulching mower, the leaves get so deep that you can't see the things that you're mulching over, whether it's your lawn or anything else. That's when you got to start just going ahead and raking because if you're just going to get too much stuff there, it's going to hold too much moisture, and that could be problematic as well. Other things that you need to be thinking about is also winterizing any of your, let's say, power equipment. Certain things you're going to still continue to use, but other things that you may not use, make sure that if any of them are gas-powered, that you run the motors until the gas is completely out of the tanks. It's just better to, let's say, winterize your equipment that way. Virgil lives in St. Charles, too. Hi, Virgil. How are you today? I'm uh, doing very good. Thank you. Great. Um, can I plant... Uh, daffodils, tulip bulbs in a grass median, and then uh, later on, after they bloom, just cut them down because they're going to be in a grass area to be continually cut. Well, if you do that, it's fine. But if the foliage of the bulbs have not started, at least started, and ideally it would be entirely turned brown, then the power or, the, you know, the, it's a building process. So what the foliage does after the tulip or daffodil flowers the foliage is regenerating, restoring all the energy that was lost during the flowering process. So if you cut that off, bef you know, let's say while they're still green or just barely starting to turn yellow, then that's going to be real trouble as far as, you know, building up the bulb for the following year. Okay. I've always seen them along the highways and some of the um, hillsides, and I was just curious. Yeah, they those areas, they usually just leave them alone until they start at least, you know, yellowing. But if it's in a lawn area that you keep very neatly mowed and everything else, you could try it. But it's, you know, it's not going to be, you know, I mean, for longevity okay. factor, it's not going to work real well. Okay. That's it. All right. Great. Well, thanks, Thank Virgil. And anybody else, questions? 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is a time of year to be adding mulch, but don't add mulch just for an aesthetic standpoint. If you already have three or four inches of mulch around your woody plants, your trees and shrubs and everything else, and you've kept it away from the bark, don't add more because if it gets too deep, you could get, you know, you could have problems as a result of that. Also, putting mulch over the top of perennials and ground covers and things like that, one to two inches there, three to four inches around woody plant material. Joyce lives in St. Peter's. Joyce, how are you today? Good morning. Enjoying Hi. this beautiful day. Yes. I am wanting to plant a hydrangea bush. Is it too late and are they hard to find? Um, I don't, you know, you're just going to have to check your local nurseries. But uh, as I said over at Soldier's Memorial, they're planting oak leaf hydrangeas as we speak, basically. They weren't out there planting them this morning, but they have a bunch that are still sitting in pots that haven't been installed, and there's some that have been installed. So woody plant material, 
you know, be it trees or shrubs, can still be planted until the ground freezes. All right. Thank you so much for your service. Sure. And also, you know, every, anybody that's going to be planting anything, realize that the root ball, you know, re, just kind of give a guess on how wide the root ball is. And the hole should be three times the diameter of the root ball, but only about 80% as deep. So, in other words, the top of the root ball is going to be slightly above the surrounding ground. That allows for any kind of settling. Should I water it also? Yes, definitely water after you install it, but no fertilizer, no soil amendments, no nothing at all. No fertilizer. That's good to know. And do you think they're hard to find this time of year? Uh, it's it's hit and miss, but I think all the, you know the garden centers that are year round garden centers they're probably still going to have them. The ones that all are right. kind of a seasonal thing that uh, you know the big box stores and all that stuff they probably will not have any kind of plant material whatsoever. All right, and is there one kind that's better than another for St. Louis? Uh, basically, not. There's several different types. But, you know, if you want one that's going to bloom, you know, for, for the most part, let's say through the summertime, or you want one that blooms in the spring. So get some kind of idea of what you want out of it. And then when you go to the garden center, tell them, I want one, let's say like a PG hydrangea that only blooms in the spring, or I want okay. one that's continuous blooming through the summer, or I want one that's blue, or I want one that's pink. So or I right. want one that has big leaves like the oak leaf hydrangea. So you, you All right. give them that kind of, you know, let's say scenario. Thanks so much. Have a great day. You do the very same thing. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, we're headed to Freeburg, Illinois, and going into Rob's yard. Hi, Rob. Good morning. Uh, Question. I recently had to have some uh, yard work done. Uh, I mean, I had to dig up a a sewer line, and, of course, I want to get that... uh, that's straight. Now, is it too late to plant grass seed? Uh, it's probably not too late. It may germinate, but survivability through the wintertime, that's going to be iffy. So the reason why is because we don't know what the temperature is going to get like. Newly germinated seed, the root system's not, you know, penetrating yeah. into the ground very far. And when it freezes, it thaws, it freezes, it thaws, it could be pushed right up out of the ground and killed. Yeah, yeah. So... At this point in time, I'm probably just as well off to wait until spring, huh? Exactly. And I wouldn't put a whole lot of straw on it. I don't understand what that whole concept of putting straw on, you know, seed to germinate. Because if it's too thick, you know, it can create too much moisture. You can get fungus problems on immediate because newly germinating seed is very prone to all kinds of diseases and circumstances. So I would say if, you know, with the area, just if you can get a couple inches, an inch or so of compost, just cover it with compost and just leave it till springtime. Okay. Um, I hadn't thought about the compost. Uh, I did get some, uh, uh, I won't use the brand name, uh, garden soil uh, and whatnot, which I want to work into the, the the, the uh, natural soil, which is mostly clay, unfortunately. Right. Should I should I put compost on it? Or would it hurt to just put some uh, regular granular fertilizer on there and let it let it build up till next spring? Don't put fertilizer because you're just going to trigger all kinds of weed germination and make the weeds even stronger. So, okay. if you want to mix something into the soil that you've already purchased, you know, go ahead and do that. But the compost is going to be the best thing to do, and you'd be mixing that in your soil as well. And it's probably going to, you know, you're going to end up with a trough there where the, you know, where they dug. Because even if they backfill it with all the existing soil, there's going to be a lot of air pockets as a result of this. 
And so right. just realize that don't rush out in the springtime and put seed down. Wait until everything is really well settled. And that's another good reason to not put the seed down this time of year because there can be settling, and then you're going to end up with a low spot, and then water's going to sit there, and it's going to drown this, any of the seed that does survive the wintertime. Okay. All right, Mike. Thanks for your help. Certainly. And now let's go from Freeburg to Town & Country in the Scotchyard. Hi, Scott. Hey, good morning, Mike. And Mike, thank you so much for, for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom. I've got a house in town and country uh, that I just bought that the yard hasn't really been kept up too much in the last 10, 12, 15 years. Is there, in addition to the invasive um, uh, 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 honeysuckle that we have, is there a beneficial breed of honeysuckle? As far as beneficial meaning what? There's vine-type honeysuckle. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, there's, you know, there's not too much shrub-wise. The one that's there, it is invasive, and because the birds love the fruits and they eat the fruits off of them, you know, the red berries, and then they go someplace and, you know, I mean, the seeds are prolific. That's how it's sort of scattered across the country, starting in, in New York. But, no, there's not really truly a beneficial honeysuckle that I'm aware of. Okay. So honeysuckle is just something to be gotten rid of. Well, either that or just, I mean, if everybody got rid of the honeysuckle that they have, we have to understand that you can take out the honeysuckle. That's great. It's invasive. But also when you take it out, it may be anchoring soil. It may be reducing erosion and things like that. I owned a home in Webster several years ago, and the creek it ran into Deer Creek, my sort of like small creek, but it was lined with honeysuckle along the banks. And I took some of the honeysuckle out, and I replaced it with a, a type of euonymus ground cover, which is invasive in its own way. But still, if you don't replace this honeysuckle, you could have erosion problems. So you can't just take it out and not put anything else back in there. So it has to be a sequential type thing, and that's what a lot of times people don't quite understand, that if it's on any kind of slope or anything at all, you could end up with a big, I don't want to say a mudslide, but, you know, an emotional mudslide mm-hmm. as much as anything. <laughs> All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. And, I mean, you can control it. You can The bigger ones you can take down. Personally, I always, you know, that's why I didn't take out all the honeysuckle along the creek there in Webster. Because the cedar waxwings would come in. And, I mean, they would come in, like, in big groups, like 20 or something. And they would devour, of course, and that would be spreading the honeysuckle all over the place. But uh, that's, you know, sort of the, the advantage of the honeysuckle. I know it's invasive. There's lots of different things that are invasive. But uh, it's really, it does serve a pers- purpose. It's squeezed out. I mean, a lot of the native things that were controlling the erosion problems. But unless you're going to, if you're going to take it out, you're going to replace it with something to hold the soil. So thanks, Scott. And now let's go to South City and to Kathy's yard. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Hi. Um, I was having a question. When is the best time to trim uh, lavender bushes and butterfly bushes? Uh, basically, lavender, I would say just leave it alone, wait until winter's over with, and just cut out the dead. Okay. Because I, they're kind of marginally hardy, so you may be just, you know, just spending your effort. And with anything that blooms in the summertime, like the butterfly bush, Let's say the crepe myrtle, the roses Sharon, all those that are summer bloomers, you can prune them anytime you really want to. You could leave them alone through the wintertime. Then when spring rolls around and they start pushing out foliage, then you can start you know, you can prune them at that time. But you got about three or four or five months where you could do the pruning. So 
it's not going to make any difference. Actually, I was walking by a house the other day, and I was surprised to see they still had some blooming going on in their butterfly bush. So I hadn't seen any blooms on butterfly bushes for the last you know, week or so. Right, and so yeah, it kind of caught me by surprise. Okay, and one more thing. Is there uh, milkweed plants uh, for the cat, you know, the, for the monarchs? Is there a certain, not breed, um, species is best for this area? No, I mean, just, you know, if you go and just look at, you know, let's say you can go to, the, like, the Shaw Arboretum. They sell wildflowers, and they have a huge, you know, butterfly, milkweed, let's say, field. You can just check out the plant list that they have there. You can go to the Missouri Botanical Garden and look at their website, see which variety they have. But for the most part, it's, you know, it's kind of personal choice as much as anything. Because oh. what's important is the fact that there's a whole bunch of little bitty flowers clustered together, and it's a color you know, that actually draws in the butterflies. But it's going to bring in other insects as well. It's just not exclusively going to be the butterflies. Ah, uh, Okay. All righty. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate yep. it. Sure. I mean, the, the Asclepias, some of them are really kind of relatively short with clusters, but all of them, they're milkweed. The reason why that is is because the sap is milky color, so white. And Linda lives in Afton. Hi, Linda. Hi. Um, I love your show. Got a question about um, t- removing a tree stump. Uh, a friend of ours said you just drill holes in it and pour some kerosene in there and set it on fire. Oh, God. It didn't sound too good to me. <laughs> uh, I was wondering what you recommend. Well, what you can drill holes in it, and there's like a stump killer that you can get at a garden center that you pour in there. I wouldn't pour kerosene because ultimately it could contaminate the soil where it is. So if you're ever going to put anything else in there, that's, you know, that's kind of a bad circumstance. Okay. So, and... Uh, I mean, if you want to kill it, it, the stump, you know, killers will work, but you're going to have to have a drill, and you're going to have to drill several holes down into the stump and then pour this, you know, stump killer down into the hole. But I wouldn't use kerosene gas or any of that kind of stuff, and I certainly wouldn't set it on fire. Okay. <laughs> and I, have, I also uh, cut down some Rosa Sharon bushes. I've been trimming them, and every year they come back like monsters. Right. And we're just getting too old to care for this stuff. So I cut them to the ground, and now I have little stumps from those. So just do the same thing with that, or do you think they're going to become monsters again in the spring? They'll probably become monsters again if they have a healthy root system. But they don't have a stump like a tree does, so they just have more or less twigs coming up out of the ground. Now, maybe some of the twigs are two inches. But with this, I would probably get a landscape. If you really want to get rid of them, just get a landscape service to come out and just dig them up. That's the way to really get rid of them rather than fooling around with it. The other option is in the springtime when the new growth begins, get Roundup for killing woody plants. And then as soon as the growth begins, you know, prune off the, the new growth about halfway, whatever length you let it get, at least you know, a foot or so. Then on the, make the cut at a 45-degree angle. Then take this Roundup for killing woody plants and paint it right on the wound or right on the cut right after you know, you've done it. Okay. Well, the, the stumps that are left, they're like four or five inches around. Uh, you know, I, the stump killer, you could try it, but it's going to be, I mean, the drill that you're going to go down in there, you're not going to use like a little tiny drill. You want at least a half-inch drill bit to drill the holes. So that's, you know, you could try it that way if you wanted to. I've never really heard of anybody using the stump killer on Rosa Sharon. That's not to say it won't work. 
Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate your show. Sure, well, thank you for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Perfect time to get your bulbs planted, whether you're planting them in pots or whether you're planting them in the ground, so you got plenty of time to do that. Uh, I'd probably get it to personally get it done at least before Thanksgiving because we don't know what the weather's going to be like and uh, what you want warm ground because that triggers root growth of your bulbs and that triggers better flowering for next year. You always think, well, do bulbs have roots? Yes, they do have roots. Let's jump the river, Belleville, and that's where John lives. Hi, John. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. I have a question about composting, and uh, basically what it is, I was having trouble with moles, and a friend of mine told me he put in castor bean plants, so I thought I would try it. He gave me some seeds, but these things get six, eight foot tall. Right. And then I talked, I had some other friends over, and we was looking, and he was telling me they are highly poisonous on the leaves and the plants. And what me now is, is I'm going to compost them. If I put that in the compost pile, will that all decompose over while it's composting? The seeds probably will not, unless you let, unless your compost gets really, really hot. But uh, the the main problem with the you know with the castor bean plant is simply the fact that if you eat the beans, that's when it's really problematic more so than. Except this year, I did get a rash myself, which I'd never gotten before during that super hot spell when I was moving some castor bean plants around and all this other stuff. But uh, it was kind of like poison ivy. But for the most part, it's only the seeds that are problematic as far as poison. you got to eat several of them. So they are poisonous from that standpoint. But just throwing them in the compost pile, the seeds are, you know, you see those husk. And if you open up the husk, those things that are real spiky, probably each one will have three seeds in it. They look, they're very spotted-looking seeds, like, you know, kind of like, I don't know, just spotted, light brown and dark brown. Right. But I would, uh, you know, not put any seeds in the compost because they're just going to be prolific. And the seeds have probably been dropping in these spots, so they're probably going to come back next year, you know, in this location anyway. Okay. Well, I, I don't know if they dropped out, but I did cut the pods off because I was going to plan on using the seeds to replant them anyway. Right. So, uh, okay, I just was concerned about whether the plants composting in there because then I put the compost on the garden and right. this type of stuff. So. so, I mean, it may your compost may get warm enough to kill the seeds, but, I mean, it's going to have to be really well-cooked compost because you've seen those seeds, you know. I mean, they're very, very tough. Right. Okay. Thank you very much for your service. Certainly. Thank you. And let's go to Mark. And Mark lives in Clover Bottom. And Greg tells me Clover Bottoms near Washington, Missouri. Hi, Mark. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, Hi. we're about 10 miles southwest of Washington, Missouri. All right. Very beautiful out here. I was wondering if it's too late to plant grass yet. You're right um, on the cusp. I wouldn't, with grass seed, I would say I wouldn't waste my money personally. I think, you know, there are still companies that are putting this seed out, but the way our weather is, we don't know what it's going to be like. Remember how cold it got? Your, if your seed just germinated, it may be, you know, if the temperatures get down in the 20s, it may be cold enough to actually kill the plants, the grass blades. Then, if not only that, but later on with this freezing thawing, which is going to come, 
whether we like it or not, that can heave the root systems up out of the ground of newly germinated because their root systems are not penetrated enough. So it's a roll of the dice. If you have the seed, I would go ahead and plant it. I would not go out and buy more seed and plant it. Okay. Um, about how many days do you need? You know, if, if I planted today and we had 10 days of above freezing temperatures in the morning, is that still on the cusp? Yeah, it is. Because it's, you know, some of the seed, as the ground cools down, that's, you know, warm temperatures in the ground. That's what triggers any kind of growth, whether it's, you know, woody plant growth or whether it's grass seed growth or anything else. So when the ground starts cooling and getting cooler and cooler, that process of germination should be any place between 7 and 14 days. It may be extended to 21 days depending upon the exposure and everything else. And especially if the area is shaded at all, whether it's shaded by houses, by garages, by trees, or anything else, that's going to extend that germination period even longer. So even if I got it to come up, it, I may not be out of the woods yet. It could still be killed in December. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, okay. it may not be. I mean, it may work out Mike. perfectly, and you can just call and say that Mike Miller doesn't know what the heck he's talking about. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, so you're, okay. it's just a roll of the dice. And if you do put the seed down, make sure you put some seed starter fertilizer with it, too. Is that triple 12 or 20? No, no, 10? no. Don't use triple 12. Triple 12 was made strictly for agricultural circumstances one season. On the bag, it should say seed starter. Okay. All right, Mark. Good luck with that. And let's All see right. if we can get another call or so in. Donna lives in South County. Hi, Donna. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I am in love with this beautiful maple tree that's down the street. It is the most beautiful orange-pink coloring right now. And um, I don't think anybody knows what variety that tree might be. Could you kind of give me an idea? It looks like it's about 40 feet tall. Right. Uh, What variety might, might that one be? It's probably sugar, sugar maple. Sugar maple. And do those whirly bird things, are they the large No, they're the small ones, but there's prolific amounts. And the reason why I know this is because we have three, we're on a corner. So on one side of our house, we have one sugar maple. On the other side, we have two. And the the whirly birds are about the size of, uh, smaller than a paper clip. Uh So, but I mean, they come down in pairs. And I will tell you, in the springtime... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm pulling up more, you know, maple seedlings than you could possibly imagine. But the big ones, they those are from the silver maples. That's a kind of, you know, maple tree that I grew up with up on Maple Lane. So our gutters were always full with them and because we had maple trees all around our yard and everything else all around the house. But the other trees, the red maples and the sugar maples, they all have smaller whirly birds, but they're still prolific. Well, is there any other variety that may not be as problematic as that? No. Maples, no. this is, I mean, you could get amber maples, you can get all, Japanese maples, you know, they don't, you know, but they're not going to be giant, spectacular trees. Uh-huh, I see. Well, yeah, I just love that tree. It's gorgeous. I love right. the coloring. Uh, I have one other question. Sure. Um, two years ago, I planted a, a dogwood, and I did everything I thought correctly, and it's doing very well, but... It did sink down into the ground more than I thought it would. It's about three inches from ground level. Ooh. Yeah, I'm not real happy about that. But is there anything I can do or should do to fill up that gap? 
Uh, don't don't fill it up with soil or anything because you're burying the crown and you're going to keep moisture, you know, as a result of the soil that you're putting in there. So there's really not too much you can do. How big is a trunk now? Oh, it's it's about an inch or so. I would say have somebody come out and dig it up. You know, don't do it going into wintertime, but in the springtime, have somebody dig it up and actually elevate it more so than anything else. I Don't put soil in this hole or anything at all. Okay. All right, then. Okay. Well, that's all I needed. Right. Thank you very much. Certainly. And, I, you know, you can go ahead and hang up, Donna. But the reason why you don't want to put soil down in this depression is because the soil is going to have a higher you know, moisture content than what you would anticipate. Then that wet soil during even drier times of the year is going to be right next to the bark, and that's going to cause some bark rot. So that's why... You know, if you got a depression, you're better off, and especially if the tree's only one-inch caliper, it's still the, the size that can be dug up. It may set it back a little bit, you know, flowering-wise, but you're still, you know, if water sits around the base of a dogwood, that is exactly what they do not want to have happen. And another thing they do not want to have happen is for soil to get up around the trunk on the actual bark of the trunk. So that's why you got to avoid that. So if anybody else has any questions, we're going to be taking uh, Chester, Nancy, John, and Christy after the news. And uh, just take a look in your yard. I mean, today, this year has been the most spectacular year as far as tree color goes that I can ever remember. They're all prolific. And, uh, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Mike Miller, KMWAX Garden Hotline. See you after the news. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.